It all begins with drawing yourself and your reader into what I call the fictive bubble. Think of it like a large soap bubble. That bubble is your story world and everything that happens in there, regardless of genre. Your first objective is to pull a reader into it, where they will have to take an incredible journey with your characters. Your second objective is to keep the reader there, in that bubble. Ted Decker. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots, I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Lee Esses. Our topic today is the suspension of disbelief. We briefly mentioned this in our bonus episode, Audience Participation, but we wanted to dive deeper into suspension of disbelief, what it is, how it works, and how to make sure your readers are suspending their disbelief. So something to keep in mind as you're telling your story is the more quote-unquote realistic your story is, the less likely there will be to suspend disbelief. So if superpowers don't exist and it's on Earth and your main character is a CIA agent and it takes place in here and now, and then magic enters into the story, they're less likely to buy it if superheroes don't exist. This actually reminds me of an episode of Castle. It was in either their last season or the second to last season, where they encountered somebody who claimed to be a time traveler. My immediate thought was, no. I rejected the entire episode because all of the sudden my suspension of disbelief couldn't take it anymore. Because they were trying to present a fictional concept into a realistic story. On the other side of the coin, if you have a time traveler in your sci-fi book, it makes perfect sense. We suspend that disbelief, so we lift it up and we hold it over there, and we go with it, because that's entertainment, that's storytelling. If they had presented this idea of time travel in Castle earlier, made it part of the story... I would have been more willing to accept it, but it was just that one episode, never mentioned again, never talked about before. And I like sci-fi. I like time traveler shows. I'm a big Doctor Who fan. So that's not the problem here. It's the suspension of disbelief. As the audience, I can no longer believe anything that's being presented because that has been broken. They have gone too far in their expectations of what I will accept as an audience member. As Decker would say in our opener for this episode, they popped that fictive bubble, and now you've returned to Earth. You've returned to where you are instead of journeying with your storyteller where they want you to go. The concept goes back to the philosopher and theater geek Aristotle. The phrase itself was coined later, but he brought up the idea. He presented the idea that audiences buy into a story to get something out of it. And if the storyteller isn't fulfilling that, the audience is not going to buy into anything else you have to say. So how do you apply this? How do you keep that fictive bubble moving in your writing? I would say the most important thing is to limit it to one impossible thing in your story. If I tried to write a story about vampires in outer space... It would be very difficult to get people to believe it because that's two impossible things. You're asking too much of your audience. 
I somewhat disagree with this. You see a lot of multiple impossible things in fantasy and sci-fi settings. The difference is, once you have established that as a normal thing in your world, you can't have impossible things beyond that. If it is established that there are space vampires in your world, that's a normal thing. You can't suddenly say, and these space vampires are also suddenly fairies. Like, that doesn't work. So within the world that you establish, and it has to be established well at the beginning, you can't have more than one impossible thing beyond that. As you have sequels, you can, within the world that you've designed, create one new impossible thing. They find a book that has their future written in it. Okay, that's an interesting book in and of itself. If you include that halfway through your first book, then you have too many impossible things and it's difficult to drag your audience along. So if you establish that magic is a thing, you establish rules for that magic, then you have to follow the bounds of that. I once had a conversation with somebody who is a local stage play writer. And she took a class and she's got like a master's or something in it. But she took this rule of one impossible thing as a requirement instead of as a limit. So if you don't have one impossible thing in your story, it's not an interesting story. And people aren't going to be interested in reading it. I just thought that was an interesting way of looking at the rule of one impossible thing. So the impossible thing doesn't always apply to the world itself or magic or functioning things there. Sometimes it applies to character decisions. Nothing can break the suspension of disbelief faster than manipulating a character into making a decision they wouldn't make. That will immediately get your audience to say, no, that's not how that character would react. That's not what that character would do. We talked last episode about the rules of writing, and one of the rules we're presenting here is don't pop that fictive bubble. Don't remind your audience that they're part of an audience. Let them think that they're part of your world. One of the ways to break this rule happens best with the comic book character Deadpool. He breaks what we call the fourth wall. Breaking that fourth wall means you're addressing the audience in some way. And Deadpool does this in a hilarious fashion. Breaking the fourth wall is a tool that can be used almost exclusively in humor. A lot of people are willing to suspend their disbelief a little bit more forgivingly than other places. Another way to break the fourth wall is by referencing something in the real world. I recently watched uh, Hobbs and Shaw which was sort of a spinoff from the Fast and the Furious franchise. Our one impossible thing there was physics, because they have their own set of rules as far as I'm concerned. Fast and the Furious has its own rules of science and physics and gravity. But there was a moment where the bad guy, who has been genetically enhanced, cybernetically enhanced, holds his hands out and goes, you can't beat me, I'm Black Superman. We as an audience know that he's joking about the character Superman and that Superman doesn't actually exist. If Batman said that, it would be something entirely different. But that's a fourth wall break for the sake of your audience. 
He's not looking at the camera in the same way Deadpool does, but they're kind of teasing the audience a little bit. I think the most important thing for you to keep in mind as you're writing is your audience wants to suspend disbelief. There are a lot of ways to pop that bubble to remind them that they're reading a book, and that's by breaking a lot of these other rules that we've talked about this month. But all in all, your audience has picked up the book hoping to enjoy it. They want to suspend disbelief. They're willing to overlook a lot of, that's unrealistic, because they want to enjoy the story. It's your job to take that trust that they've given you and be worthy of it. Like Aristotle said, a lot of people who are investing in entertainment, whether it's reading, TV shows, movies, they are looking for a sense of catharsis for their own lives. We all have our own reasons for going to entertainment to fill our time, and we want to feel like we're living that life. So we are willing to give up our disbelief to a certain extent. It needs to be believable within the world that you've presented. This happens in a lot of action movies. I am willing to suspend my disbelief when it comes to knowledge of guns and how they work to enjoy a good action movie. Just because shooting a helicopter would never make a helicopter blow up doesn't mean I don't want to see that helicopter blow up. But if you're going to have an impossibility in your story, you have to establish it early. You have to establish it in Act 1. Just like I said with the TV show Castle, if they had established time travel as a possibility in the beginning, I would have accepted that episode a lot better. But that episode came near the end of the show, end of the whole series, and it did not work. The book that I'm currently writing posits that magic existed on the planet until the year 1521. And if I pop that bubble and introduce aliens halfway through the book, nobody's going to want to keep reading because I've popped that bubble and reminded them that they're reading. They aren't invested in the characters anymore. They're reminded that, oh, well, I should probably do dishes. This is where editing comes in handy, especially if you're a pantser. So if you end up introducing something in the third act that would pop that fictive bubble, you need to go back and make sure the concept is introduced in the first act. Make sure you're editing so that you don't accidentally cause this problem. We don't say this to stop you from writing. We want you to enjoy it, to have fun, to write whatever you want to write. But it all comes back to you and your story. If you don't believe it and understand it and you don't suspend that disbelief in your own thought process as you're writing, you can't expect them to hold the same. That means more important than ever, you have to write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 